Forgiveness is just a bedrock principle of the Christian faith. It's pretty hard to love if you can't forgive. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that, you know, that the pain will go away or that the other person will respond favorably. But the more we can understand the grace of God in our lives and our own need for forgiveness, it does make the whole process of forgiving another person more reasonable, more logical, more obvious. You're listening to Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. With COVID-19 lockdowns and stay-at-home orders, a lot of us have spent more time at home with family than we might have otherwise. And when imperfect people spend more time together, there's inevitably more, well, opportunities to learn to forgive. Or maybe there's something in your past, someone sinned against you and hurt you deeply. But whether it's the little irritations of life or the traumatic wounds we face, the answer lies in the biblical concept of forgiveness. That's the topic of a devotional book by Barbara Rainey titled Growing Together in Forgiveness. She's joined today by her husband, Dennis Rainey. What better venue to talk about this than with real families who are struggling with real life? In fact, let me just read a portion of the first paragraph uh, in this book. She says, I know a family in which two brothers haven't spoken in years, and another family in which a brother and sister haven't spoken in decades. There are no perfect family trees because there are no perfect people. And uh, later on, she goes on and has a quote in there that says, Forgiveness is love practiced among people who love poorly. I like that. Forgiveness is love practiced among people who love poorly. And if you think about the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, what's it about? It's about relationships. Our relationship with God, knowing how to experience his forgiveness of us because he sent his son to pay the price so we could be forgiven, but it doesn't end there. It's so that we can express forgiveness toward other imperfect people. Barbara explains why she wrote Growing Together in Forgiveness. When we were raising our children, we had a 10-year span between the youngest and the oldest, and there were books for toddlers, little devotional things you could do with little kids. There were devotional books you could do with your teenagers. But there wasn't anything that spanned the ages. And I really wanted something that I could read with all of my kids and not have to do them in two different groups. And the other thing that I noticed when I was raising kids was that most devotionals were um, random in their organization. They were not topically driven. And this one is on forgiveness. Partly because forgiveness is just a bedrock principle of the Christian faith. It's pretty hard to love if you can't forgive. And uh, you just, you need forgiveness in order to do the Christian life. You can't really do the Christian life if you can't forgive. Because we have to be forgiven first in order then to forgive others. And part of practicing the truth is forgiveness. Part of being courageous is being courageous in forgiving those who have offended you. And so I think it, it's, it's such an important topic that it needs to be near the front of the line. And what family can function without forgiveness? Mm-hmm. We raised six kids, had six and 10 years, and had four teenagers at one time. I mean, 
there's a method of teaching uh, in the New Testament called the rabbinical method of teaching. It's called repetition over and over and over again. And so if parents are wondering why, why is it you have to train your son, train your daughter? Why is it you have to learn how to forgive or how to ask for forgiveness? It's because uh, we learn it by practicing it over and over and over again. My hope is, is that as a family, as you read these stories of real people who practice these principles in their lives for a whole week, you might be able to make some progress in practicing forgiveness because you talk about it over and over again for a whole week rather than these random topics that pop up all the time in different order. Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, once said, a great marriage is the union of two great forgivers. Married couples know that's true. In fact, just about any human relationship beyond mere acquaintance is going to both extend and receive forgiveness. We're sinful people, and really and truly, it's not just that every relationship will require forgiveness at some point in time. It's every relationship will require lots of forgiveness lots of the time. And so you've got two people in a marriage who need to forgive each other multiple times every day, and then you start adding children to that. And so the need for forgiveness is just compounded because of the number of sinful people that are living under one roof. Give our listeners an idea of the topics that you cover, and then let's come back and let's talk about this first one here. But, but just give them a high flyby of the seven topics you discuss uh, in this book. Well, they're not just topics, if I might clarify. There is a topic for each story, but they're all around an individual person's life. So the first one is John Newton, and the topic is forgiveness is a gift received because, as I said a minute ago, we have to receive forgiveness before we can learn how to give it. And then the second story is about Joseph, and that's the, the concept of forgiveness is a gift given. And then we have this young woman, and um, I will probably not pronounce her name exactly right, but her name is Teori, and this was an 1850s-something story about this little girl who learned about the love of Christ from the missionaries who came to New Zealand to spread the gospel, and uh, her story is Forgiveness is a Gift of Sacrifice. Then we have Louis Zamperini. His is Forgiveness is a Gift of Freedom. Kim Anthony is a young woman who was a gymnast, and she had to forgive her father. And her story is Forgiveness is a Gift of Love. Uh, We have a story about Rwanda. In that country, forgiveness was practiced as a gift of hope. And then Martin Luther King Jr., forgiveness is a gift of peace. Barbara says forgiveness can be really hard. It does take work. It takes a lot of work. And some situations are much more difficult than others. Um, Some forgiveness can be offered fairly easily, uh, but some forgiveness may take months or years. And so I've got stories that kind of show the breadth of that because forgiveness isn't as easy sometimes as I think we would like for it to be. It's all about our disposition, our attitude. Here's Dennis. When we forgive someone, we give up the right to punish them. You can know if you have forgiven someone for a hurt they've caused you, for a wound, for something they've uh, said against you, if your hands are open, or if if your hands are clenched and and you're wanting to hurt back or you're wanting to point your finger at them and, and, and accuse them, then you likely have not forgiven them. Forgiveness says, I give up the right to keep on punishing you and I 
I, I relinquish that right, and then I tell you, I forgive you. Dennis says there's a difference between forgiving someone and being reconciled with them. There are abusers who have done evil things to um, little girls, little boys growing up uh, who may never repent. And there may not be reconciliation at a relational level with them, but it doesn't mean the person who's been abused has to be locked up and imprisoned in anger and resentment and wanting to punish that other person. Uh, they can move through the process, as Barbara was talking about it. It probably will take months or years to be able to do that, but finally give up the right to punish. And in the process, uh, you may be thinking you're letting the other person out of the prison. What is the reality, however, is that you're the one who's being set free. Someone who understood slavery and freedom and forgiveness in an up-close and personal way was a guy from the 1700s named John Newton. You might recognize him as the author of the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. Barbara tells his story in her book, Growing Together in Forgiveness. I chose to start the book with the story of John Newton, who was very aware of his own fallenness, of his own sin, of his own depravity, because John Newton grew up with a father who was a sea captain, and he, at 11 years of age, went to sea with his father, and he was exposed to all the evils, all the wickedness, all the depravity on those ships that with men and their drunkenness and all that went on on those ships. And um, he adopted that kind of a lifestyle. Newton climbed the ladder of success, the, the rigging of sailing success, to the point where he was captain of his own slave trading ship. That was something he never forgot. And so when he came to understand his need for a savior, it was dramatic and it was profound. And what motivated him to write the hymn that we all know and love so well, Amazing Grace, was his forgiveness, was the forgiveness that he had received from God, even though he didn't deserve it. It's important for us to understand that we must first be forgiven. We need to understand how and why God would choose to forgive us. And if God can forgive me, then I can forgive you. I can extend forgiveness to someone else. So I think it's an important concept to understand that forgiveness is based in our being forgiven first. And just as John Newton was forgiven much and as a result had a story to tell, that ultimately played its way out in a song that has endured throughout the ages, every one of our listeners who has made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ has a story. They have a story of God's forgiveness of them that's unique to their lives. And uh, I think sometimes we take that for granted. God's imprint on our lives comes out of that place where we've lived. For John Newton, it was in, in the hold of a ship where... I mean, he was with a bunch of barbarians, you know, um, not an easy life at all. Well, some of our listeners have come from some pretty tough, rugged backgrounds. And in other cases, they've come from maybe families that raised them to fear God, and perhaps they avoided a wicked lifestyle. They too have a story to tell, but all those stories have the common denominator that they were forgiven by God through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it's been said that God is more holy than we tend to think, 
and we are more sinful and in need of forgiveness than we realize. Yeah, and I think the more we can understand our own need for forgiveness, the easier forgiveness then becomes. It doesn't mean that you know that the pain will go away or that the other person will respond favorably, but the more we can understand the grace of God in our lives and our own need for forgiveness, it does make the whole process of forgiving another person more reasonable, more logical, more obvious. When I was a little boy, forgiveness for me was that I would make a commitment to Jesus Christ and that God would no longer punish me by sending me to a place called hell. Now, it's interesting in our culture today, we don't talk a lot about that place, but it's a real place. And it does exist where the wrath of God is poured out against sinners, lawbreakers, of which I was one. Now, here's the point. Over my lifetime, I now have come to a much fuller understanding of what it costs God to forgive me. And I've also come to grips with how far I miss the mark. The older I get, the more I go, God really did love me. He really did pursue me. And so this is why this message is so important. As we do grow in our understanding of forgiveness, we embrace the love of Jesus Christ. That transforms us and motivates us to want to be right in our relationships and forgive other people. Well, in her book, Barbara tells the story of another man who learned the importance of forgiveness. The events of his life take up many of the last chapters of the book of Genesis. Yeah, you think about who Joseph was in Egypt. I mean, he was second in command to Pharaoh. So to refresh your memory, Joseph's brothers were guilty of human trafficking. They sold him into slavery. He rose to a place of responsibility, then was falsely accused of sexual assault, imprisoned again, then amazingly found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh because God gave him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream and the wisdom to recommend a course of action to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. Then came the incredible moment when Joseph's brothers came to buy food from him, but they didn't recognize him. He had a lot of power and nobody would have thought twice if he had executed them. I mean, you know, in that culture, it wasn't a God-fearing culture, the the land of Egypt. Um, He could have easily had their heads if he had wanted to. At that moment, Joseph had a choice. He chose forgiveness over vengeance. According to Barbara, the promise of revenge is actually deceptive. It is a false hope, and I think that's why I wanted to write these stories for families to read together because I think it helps us so much as moms and dads because we're always teaching and instructing our kids. We're telling them how to forgive. You've got to forgive your sister. Go ask your sister to forgive you, whatever. We're we're constantly instructing, but when we can sit down with them and we can read a story about Joseph or we can read a story about John Newton, then all of a sudden, your kids have a mental image of someone else who did it. It's not just mom and dad telling me that I have to do this, but I have a mental image of this person or that person who did it. And so then they have a better concept of what it might look like in different situations. And in essence, what this is, is reading these stories is giving your children role models. It's giving them someone to follow besides your example or your instruction. Real stories about real people. Mm 
You have a, a passage of scripture that you recommend as the memory verse mm-hmm. for this entire series of stories about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. The verse that we've chosen for the memory verse is not really a verse that has the word forgiveness in it, um, but instead it's the verse from Genesis 50, verse 20, where Joseph said to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And that's the essence of forgiveness, is realizing that God has a big picture in mind. And I'm not letting somebody off the hook. I'm cooperating with what God wants to do in my life and what God wants to do in this other person's life. And so that's the reason that I chose that verse instead of forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's a great verse about forgiveness, and we should have that memorized too. But I wanted our listeners, I wanted families to pull back to the big picture and forgive in the context of God's sovereignty, that God is at work in the midst of all of our failings. And I've got uh, a real application for our listeners today. Number one, have you experienced the love of God and the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ? Just because you go to church, just because you've always gone there, doesn't make you a follower of Christ, someone who's committed to Christ, someone who has received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and being declared not guilty. And it's it's really simple how to do it. You just cry out in prayer, say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me. Come and reside in me and begin to make me the kind of person you created me to be. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and asks me to come in, he said, I will come in. I'll I'll sup with him. I'll, I'll fellowship with him. So God in Christ wants to forgive us, and then he wants to relate to us on an ongoing basis. A second application is is really uh, for our listeners who are listening, who, who there is someone you need to forgive. As we've talked about it, you've thought about a name of a person who at the very mention of him or her causes your stomach to turn. There's something occurring there that you need to make things right. What is your application point? How do you give up the right to punish that other person? My challenge to you is don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with your resentment, your anger, your bitterness toward that person and forgive him. Forgive her. And then third, I think there are a lot of parents listening who need to be much more intentional about training their children to understand, first of all, what forgiveness is, giving up the right to punish. But secondly, practicing forgiveness with one another, both husband and wife in the family, but also uh, parent to child and child to child in the family. There's plenty of ways you'll be able to take what Barbara has done here and apply it in your family uh, nearly every day. The book Dennis and Barbara are describing is Growing Together in Forgiveness. You can read it aloud as a family if you want. The book contains photographs, maps, vintage drawings. To order your copy of Barbara Rainey's devotional book, Growing Together in Forgiveness, check out everthinehome.com. Again, that's everthinehome.com. Next time on this podcast, Barbara points out our children need godly role models to inspire them. It makes me sad to think that some of the greatest role models of the Christian faith are being forgotten. There are people today mm-hmm. who don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, and I just think, oh my gosh, that's tragic. And people who don't know some of the great believers of the faith that we can model our lives after, and we want our kids to know these people 
because they are great role models. I hope you'll join us for the next edition of Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey.